This message is presented to you by an Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bible with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and we'll look at primarily one verse, not exclusively, but mainly one verse, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. And before we go there, I'm going to pray because uh, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I didn't drive all the way over here to do nothing. I need some help. And I, I, have a, I have a suspicion that you need some help today, too. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I, I need the Spirit of God to help me to deliver this message. And you need the Spirit of God to help you to retain it, to get it. And, of course, we want to not just have a, a thrilling moment. We want to take something home with us. Amen. When in the restaurant you say, can I get a box to go? Can I get a to-go cup? You're going to get a to-go cup today for sure, all right, from the Spirit of God. Something that stays with you. Amen. Father, we come to you in the precious and marvelous name of your Son, Jesus. We ask you today to speak to our hearts. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We believe that every ear is a listening ear, every mind is an undistracted mind, every heart is a receptive heart. Lord, you know where we are, you know where we need to be, and you know how to get us there. We pray for wisdom and understanding, revelation, insight that comes only from your Holy Spirit. And may he that speak, speak as the oracles of God. May he that minister do so with the ability that you furnish, so that in all things Jesus Christ may be glorified. Not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name we give glory. And in the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Notice with me this scripture this morning, folks. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. When the disciples asked Jesus, why? He spoke to the multitudes in parables. A parable is a, a short, simple story with a deeper meaning, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Why do you keep telling these stories? This is how he replied in verse 15, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So it's interesting, he starts off talking about a dull heart and ends up talking about healing or the need for healing. Obviously, only those who are sick need to be healed. So one point is this, a dull heart can result in a diseased body. I said a dull heart can result in a diseased body because there is a correlation, there's a connection, there's a relationship between your spiritual well-being and your physical well-being. In other words, how you're doing on the outside can be a reflection of how you're really doing on the inside. Thank you for your enthusiasm and those penetrating stares. Now, James chapter 2 and verse 26 says this, The body apart from the spirit is dead. 
See, he didn't say that the spirit dies when the body leaves. He says the body dies when the spirit leaves because it's your spirit that keeps your body alive. Did you ever think about that? It's your inward man that gives life to your physical body. When the spirit of a man departs from his body, the body immediately ceases to function. There are no spiritless empty vessels walking around. I know it looks like that way sometimes, but there are no, you know, uh, uh, spiritless bodies walking around. Amen. It's the spirit man that keeps your body alive. And so we see scriptures like this, for example, in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, in the New King James Version, says the spirit of a man. So we're talking about a man's spirit, your heart. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? So to sustain, will sustain him. The word sustain means uphold, support. It also means strengthen. And so the implication is that no matter what you're facing physically, whatever malady, infirmity, you can get through it. You can get through it if you'll stay strong on the inside. Amen. So when we are facing sickness, the our inclination, the temptation is to focus our attention solely on the body and any natural remedies to alleviate our suffering. We just focus on natural things and uh, that's understandable. But if you want healing from heaven, you'll have to become more spiritually minded. Because divine healing begins on the inside of a man, in his heart. It does not begin on the outside. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, The Greek word for dull... It says he says this people's heart has become dull. That's that's not a compliment, is it? <laughs> that that's 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 a that's a, that's a harsh critique of the people he was speaking to, right? The word dull in Greek means to be callous, right? Insensitive, unresponsive, kind of just like English. It also, like English, can mean lacking in intelligence. So that's interesting. They said, how come you're speaking parables? Because they're dumb. (laughs) They're too dull spiritually for me just to give it to them directly. So I have to tell stories so so that maybe it can penetrate the thickness of their skin, their skull, see. But actually, he said the people that he was ministering to could hardly hear and barely see. But there was nothing wrong with their physical senses. There's something wrong with their attitude. See, it's not, it's not that they physically, you know, uh, were impaired in their vision and they all needed hearing aids. That, that, would be, that would be okay. He could deal with that. That's not the issue. It's a dull heart. It's the wrong attitude. The wrong attitude can keep you sick. 
Some people think that it doesn't matter about my attitude as long as I show up and do my job. Wrong. Big wrong. Because, um, you know, what you're thinking, what you're saying to yourself on the inside reverberates in heaven. Right? We can't hear what you're thinking, but God knows our thoughts from afar. Amen. So the problem with these people, and I didn't say this is your problem. It might be, but I didn't say that. The problem with these people is not that God was unwilling to heal, but that they were unwilling to learn. Isn't that something? So that means you you could see, if you were there 2,000 years ago, you could have seen Jesus with your physical eyes like them, and still not perceive and recognize who he really is and what he's doing. You could hear with your own ears his words, the words of eternal life, and still have no idea what he's talking about, and it's just nothing to you. In fact, sometimes they said, he has a demon, why listen to him? Because they just didn't get it. Are you listening to me? Amen. One of the greatest hindrances to healing and health is spiritual apathy. He said, these people's hearts had become dull. If they weren't dull, I would heal them. One of the greatest hindrances to healing and health is spiritual apathy, a lack of interest, enthusiasm, for the things of God. And, and, and don't look so sad. When you look sad like that, it looks like you're guilty. Just smile and, and look at your neighbor and wink or something like that. But I'm just telling you in general, I, I, I don't know what your situation is, but this is what I have. God gets on me and I get on you. So, so a lack of interest or enthusiasm for the things of God. Some people, when we talk about sports, the juices begin to flow. The eyes light up and dance. They can talk a mile a minute. They can, they can spend, you know, hours talking about the Chicago Bears, you know. But when we talk about the things of God, they lapse into a semi-comatose state. That's, that's not a good indication. <laughs> that's not a good sign. You know, um, when a man loses his appetite for food, that is symptomatic of some physical problem, right? Every mother knows a child's not eating. Something wrong here. What's, what's wrong here, right? When you lose your appetite for the Word of God, that, that indicates there's a spiritual problem. That's not normal. That's, that, there's something wrong. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I can't tell you how lonely I feel up here, right? I don't have a friend in the house. Jeppe, you better say amen. I'm your ride home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Distractions, disappointments, unanswered prayers, and worldliness can cool our affections for Christ. And see, that's important because some people only come to church when they need a miracle. They get their problem fixed, and then you won't see them again until another problem comes along, you see. And I know from pastoring, and every pastor knows this, 
You know, some people want God to fix their problem. They don't want to change their lifestyle that is causing the problem. I mean, man, we could go a thousand different directions. Pastor, pray for my husband. He's a devil. Was he a devil when you married him? No, I made him into one. <laughs> That's not very nice. Uh, <laughs> in other words, you know, it takes two to tango, doesn't it? Mm, oh, let's move on. Praise the Lord. Don't go there. <laughs> the reason I'm saying this is you're not likely to receive healing from heaven if you are spiritually lukewarm all the time. I mean, we won't do this. But if I was to ask, how many of you here are just on fire for God? You're burning up. Some would say, how many of you here are just your Arctic, your ice cubes, your froze, the frozen chosen? Probably say, well. How many of you are kind of in the middle? Every hand goes up. Jesus said, I would that you were hot or cold, but since you're in the middle, I will spit you out of my mouth. So that means being moderate, being tempered in your fervor and zeal, that's actually not a good place to be. The Bible says in the book of James... Man, this real quiet in this Presbyterian Holy Ghost Church. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So obviously that means that, and we know this, that you can be closer or further away from the Lord at any given time. James is writing to Christians, right? So it stands to reason if the Lord is our healer, the closer you'll come to him, the better position you'll be in to hear him and to be healed by him. Amen. Amen. See, there's something better than healing. It's divine health. Remember Kenneth Copeland years ago was preaching. He said he was preaching somewhere, a large conference. And from the platform, he said, it's God's perfect will to heal you. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, no, it's not. He said, it's not. The Lord said, no, it's my perfect will that you never get sick. That you walk in divine health all the time. Amen. Amen. So we shouldn't live from crisis to crisis. From calamity to calamity. There should be some grace. There should be some of God's life and power continually flowing. Not that we don't face challenges. I get that. But we should be on an upward trajectory in our life. The path of the righteous is like the shining of the sun, shining brighter and brighter. Some people, it's like darker and darker, brighter and brighter until the noonday. Hallelujah. Shall we bring up the praise and worship team one more time, have them sing three more songs? Hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord. So again, notice the scripture. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So that means to be healed, there are some things you'll have to understand. See, he's saying if they would hear and listen, if they would open their eyes and perceive 
and understand and turn, then I would heal them. So it's not enough to know what the Bible says. We must understand what it means. Just because you can quote scripture, that doesn't mean you have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. And we're famous for doing that. I mean, I'm just saying in the body of Christ, slinging around scriptural phrases and quoting Bible verses, and we don't have any clue what we're talking about. And guess what? The devil knows you don't know what you're talking about, and he'll test you on it. <laughs> so we, we, we have to understand what he means. Amen. Well, briefly, there are a few things we need to understand to be healed. First, we need to understand that sickness doesn't come from God. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus making the sick well. We have no record of him making the well sick. I don't know of any case place in the Gospels where he laid hands on a perfectly well person and they became a leper. He laid hands on somebody else and they became blind. I, there's no record of him doing that. Amen. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, Jesus himself said, a house divided against itself will not stand. He said the devil is not casting out the devil. He's not working against himself. God's not working against himself either. So God's not making people sick so that Jesus can heal them. There's, there's, there's no family feud in heaven. They, they're all on the same team, right? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Then again, Jesus said in John six thirty eight, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So healing must be God's will because Jesus is the will of God in action. Not one time in the Gospels did Jesus ever say it's not God's will to heal you. There's no record of that. You would be creating your own Bible verses to say that's in the Bible. Not once did Jesus ever say to the sick, God is using this sickness to deepen your piety. He never said that. So by what authority do you say that? Amen. Some people say, well, you know, Brother John, really, my sickness is a blessing. Well, it's kind of funny. In the Old Testament, God said to the Israelites, if you keep my commandments, all these blessings will come on you. And not once did he mention sickness as a blessing. Then he said, but if you disobey me, all these curses will come on you, including every sickness and every disease that's not written in this book. So in the Old Testament, sickness was a curse. Healing was a blessing. When did those two get switched? God can bring good out of any situation. Sure, God can teach you and help you and show you things. But that doesn't mean that it's his will for you to be sick. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm again. Hallelujah. God said to the Israelites in Exodus 15, 26, Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord, your healer. Now, the Israelites were the servants of Jehovah. We today are God's sons and daughters in Christ. If God was willing to heal his servants, why would he be unwilling to heal his own family? Amen. Hallelujah. If sickness is God's will, why is it that Jesus was never sick? Not once do we see, and Jesus had a fever that day and stayed in bed, and he had, 
you know, he had high, his, high, his, his blood pressure was really spiking after that wedding feast, and, and, and he, he was constantly having migraine headaches. No, and not once. I remember years ago, uh, I heard a, a, a wonderful uh, man of God that, that I deeply love and, and, and respect, and he made the statement, you know, that uh, if you'll notice, most people that have a healing ministry, they themselves were healed dramatically of a, a life a threatening condition. Later on, the Lord began to deal with me about ministering healing to people, as we're doing today. And I reminded the Lord what that man of God had said. And the Lord said to me, well, this is, I heard him say in my heart, well, when I was in the earth, I was never sick a single day of my life. And I had a pretty good healing ministry. So you don't have to be sick and then recover to minister healing. He never was. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So does God want Jesus to be sick? Does he want, did he want, the, does he want the body of Christ to be sick? No. Hallelujah. When I returned from India in the latter part of June, I immediately, I have a house here in Virginia Beach, and I immediately inspected that house and, and took note of all the little things that needed to be repaired or needed my attention. So over the weeks, I, I fixed a leaky toilet. It took me a while to figure out how to do it, but praise God. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. And uh, I, 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 I had to call in an electrician to rewire the wiring in one room. I, ha- I am in the process of having uh, some people come in and replace a broken, a fractured glass in another room and so forth and so on because it requires a lot of maintenance, you know. Um, my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians six nineteen that your body is the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to live in a run-down, broken house. So what makes you think the Holy Spirit wants to live in a broken house? I think, I think he would be more interested in mending and repairing your body than I am in f- repairing and fixing my house. Now, maybe if I was a renter, you know, honestly, maybe I wouldn't be as motivated because it's not really my house, right? But the Holy Spirit is not a tenant. He's the owner. Because the same verses, verse 19 and 20, goes on to say, for you are not your own, you were bought with the price. Your body, see, you don't even belong to you. He purchased you with blood. Your body is his house. Hallelujah. In fact, the, the infilling of the Spirit is the down payment that he made. And when he comes back, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna burn the mortgage. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he's... He has a keen interest in keeping your body well. I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that, that God wants you to be well more than you want to be well. You, some people are praying, trying to convince God to heal them. God doesn't need to be convinced. I'm not preaching to God today. I'm preaching to you. We're the ones that need to be convinced. When you find yourself trying to make a deal with God, that's called unbelief. Lord, if you heal me, I promise I'll I'll never miss another service. 
Lord, if you heal me, you know, I'll go on a missions trip. If, if you heal me, Lord, I promise I'll tithe. I'll, at least I'll try. You know, that, that, you don't need to make a deal. The deal has already been made. The cross of Jesus Christ and the offer still stands. Hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, you need to understand that God shows no partiality. There are numerous scriptures that say that. Acts 10, 34, Romans 2, 11, Galatians 2, 6, Ephesians 6, 9. On and on it says God shows no partiality. He shows no favoritism. This is really important. God shows no favoritism. No one has an unfair advantage over you in the eyes of God. Amen. See, it's human reasoning that says, well, God likes some people and other people. He doesn't like them so much. That's not true. He loved the world enough to send his son to die for them, go to hell for them. Don't tell me. Don't tell me he does that. He that he's partial like that. Amen. We may not all have the same outcome. But we all have the same opportunity. In other words, the promise of God does not discriminate. It doesn't care whether you're young or old. It doesn't care whether you're good looking like me or ugly like um, never mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, your ethnicity, your nationality, your social standing. The promise of God does not discriminate based on who you are in the flesh. It does discriminate on whether or not you believe and obey. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now think about this. Salvation is more important than healing. And we believe that God is willing to save all, don't we? Is there anyone here that says, well, I don't believe that God really wants to save people from Latin America. I don't believe God really wants to save the people from Asia. Well, that, that's unscriptural. That's, that's, that's totally Go into all the world, not go into all Virginia. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That doesn't mean cats and dogs. He just wants you to be very clear that everybody, amen? So if God is willing to save all, and salvation's more important than healing, why would he be unwilling to heal all? If he's willing to do the greater, why would he be unwilling to do the lesser? Are listening to me? Amen. Yes, but why is it that some are healed and others are not? Well, I'll answer your question with a question. Why is it that some are saved and some are not? Is it because God doesn't want to save them? No, it's because it's conditional. They have to hear, believe, and receive. And some haven't. And some have heard and said, no, thank you. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can anybody get happy in this house today? Glory to God. Maybe you know this very well. Well, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thirdly, healing is given by grace and received by faith. Romans 4.16 says, that is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. 
Let me read that again. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Paul's talking about salvation in this verse, but the same principle applies to healing. No one has earned the right to be forgiven. No one can say, well, I've been in this church for 25 years. I deserve to be forgiven. No, 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 no. That's, that's the wrong attitude. And no one deserves to be healed. See, some people think, Brother John, I, I would ask you to pray for me, but honestly speaking, I know I don't deserve to be healed. Honey, we never said you did. <laughs> we never for a moment thought that you did deserve to be healed. You, none of us deserve even the smallest blessing from God. When you start feeling that God owes you, then you're not talking about grace, you're talking about merit. If the promise of God was based on our performance, there would be no guarantee that anybody would be qualified. But it's based on unmerited favor. It's based on the extreme kindness of God. God will heal you, not because you are good, but because he is good. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But it depends on faith. The lost are not saved simply because Jesus died for them. If that was the case, the whole world would automatically be saved. They have to appropriate, they have to receive by faith what has been purchased and provided for them on the cross. Jesus, in Matthew 9, 29 laid hands on two blind men and said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. If he walked in the door today in the flesh and laid his hands on you, isn't it possible he might say exactly the same words? According to your faith, be it done unto you. Because faith is the hand that receives what God has provided Amen. Some people say, if God wants to heal me, let him do it. Once again, what if the sinner said, if God wants to save me, let him do it. Friend, a man can go to hell thinking that way. That's not right. You see, we have to intelligently take hold of by faith, by accepting and believing and trusting in the gospel of Christ in order to be saved, to be regenerate, to have eternal life. And the same is true concerning healing. In other words, the reason you don't have it is not because God doesn't know how to give. It's because you don't know how to receive. Receive by faith. Amen. Let's move on. Again, in in our text it says, and understand with their heart. Sometimes we understand these things with our heads, but not our hearts. We know that something is true, but it doesn't seem real to us. It doesn't seem relevant to us. It seems theoretical. It seems theologically correct. It's something we believe on paper. It's a tenet of our faith, but it's not a part of who we are. 
because the journey from your head to your heart may be the longest journey of your life. It takes time, often, for the truth of God's word to penetrate from your soul or your mind, which is the door to your spirit, to get down into your inner man. That's why we need to be more patient. More patient. Think, I think one of the greatest hindrances to healing is our impatience. That we want everything quickly, snappy. Amazon and McDonald's have taught us to be impatient. But God doesn't have a drive through window. Sometimes you've got to just sit at his feet and just be there until he has ministered to you and given to you what you need. And healing isn't always spelled in the Bible H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Sometimes in the Bible it's spelled O-B-E-Y. <laughs> Sometimes it's spelled R-E-P-E-N-T. <laughs> Sometimes it's spelled F-O-R-G-I-V-E. Is this too deep for you? I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going over your head. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so usually the problem is we need to take more time See, you can't just know the Bible through somebody else's teachings. I, I talk to Christians in America especially, and they'll quote brother so-and-so, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. But when you ask them, well, what has God shown you? What has God been speaking to you about? Crickets. And that indicates they're not spending enough time alone with the Lord and his word. I'm not trying to condemn you or make you feel bad, but, but I'm trying to maybe urge you to move in that direction. Amen. I didn't say it's wrong to, to read other books or to watch you know, Christian uh, television programs. I, of course I don't. I'm, we're, I'm preaching to you right now. But I'm saying that's not a substitute for your time alone with God and his word. In Hebrews eleven twenty nine, we read, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. You can be inspired by someone else's faith. You can be encouraged. You can learn lessons. But you cannot just copycat their experience. See, by the, the Israelites... Moses heard from God and obeyed when it seemed ridiculous to do so. The Egyptians said, if they did it, we'll do it too. And they drowned. See, when people say, I tried all of that faith business and it didn't work, what you're saying is, I'm an Egyptian. You just heard somebody else's testimony. Maybe you read about somebody's story and you said, if he did it, I'll do it. No, the principles may be the same for you, but you're going to have to hear from God and you're going to have to obey what he's telling you to do. Hallelujah. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Just think how happy you'll be when this is over. Then he said, again, our text says, and turn... And I would heal them. They would hear, listen, see, perceive, understand, 
and then turn. Some translations say be converted, but the Greek word simply means to turn, turn around, or turn back. Many times before we can be healed, we have to make an adjustment in our thinking, in our attitude, in our words, in our behavior. You know, um, you know uh, pilots, when they're flying airplanes, are constantly making course correction. Because the winds will just blow you off course. A sailor, you know, particularly like any kind of vessel, the winds and the currents, you know, you have to constantly check the maps, the charts, because otherwise you'll just get off course. And, and if you're cruising on autopilot as a Christian, it's very likely you'll get off course. That's one reason why I need to come to church. That's one reason why I don't, don't need to ask, what's the sermon about this morning, Pastor? Just show up. Let God surprise you, Okay. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So God may require us when we have the understanding. Now I got to make a a response. I got to make a change. You see, listen to the message Bible. Same verse. Matthew 13, 15 says this. They stick their fingers in their ears. So they won't have to listen. That's how I feel about my congregation back in Nagaland all the time. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. To be healed, God's going to deal with you face to face. Like. This is the area where you need to change. Yeah, but what about him? We're not talking about him. We're talking about you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So I thought it was interesting. I don't know why it just came to me. But uh, Brother Hagen, um, it's okay to step here. Brother Hagen, he had had not been married very long. Maybe you've heard this story. Forgive me. But uh, his mother-in-law had a goiter, large, large growth on her neck. And he said they were having a prayer meeting together as a family. And the Lord spoke to him and said, get your bottle of anointing oil and anoint your mother-in-law. So he, he, he went in the room. And the amazing thing, he just stuck his hand in the box. And there it was. You know, it was, uh, it was hard to find in the dark. And he, he anointed her. And the goiter just went down like you stuck a pin in a balloon, but not completely. And then the Lord said, tell your mother-in-law, I will complete her healing on Sunday in the service at the altar. That's kind of funny, isn't it? I, I wouldn't have expected that. So um, he told her, and then Sunday, while he's preaching, he's kind of winding down, coming to the end of his message. His mother-in-law stood up and said, I can't wait any longer. That's enough. And she, she came down and fell across the altar and was completely healed. Now, why did God do that? Why? Well, you know, Brother, Brother Hagen said, I, I'm not God. I don't know everything, but I do know this. My mother-in-law attended that church, but she often said, I'll tell you one thing. There's one place you'll never find me, and that's at the altar. But that's exactly where they found her. <laughs> in other words, in other words, many people are not healed because of spiritual pride. 
That went over really well. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, some people, I see this all the time, like, you know, when, when it's time to pray for people, you know, you know uh, they, want to, they want to fall elegantly or something like that. You know, ushers, here we go. You know, they, you know. <laughs> but sometimes you, it's, it's not so pretty. You know, who cares, right? Sometimes, like when we think about this, you know, baptism, water baptism is a part of our faith. It's a commandment of God. It's, there's no really elega- elegant way to be water baptized. You come up looking a mess. Your mascara's running. Your dress is stuck to your body. You know, your hair's all funny. There's just no, why is it? Well, it's a little lesson in humility. <laughs> it's good for you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Rejoice. Be glad. In Mark chapter 8, we read that the people brought a blind man to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to lay hands on him. Verse 23 says this, New King James Version. Verse 23 says, So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Why? They bring somebody that needs healing. Jesus, you're the healer. Why take the man out of town? I don't know how big their village was, but I would imagine that was some distance that he, he's, he's, he's leading the man. Why? Well, Mark doesn't tell us, but I suspect it's because there was too much unbelief in that crowd of spectators. Amen. Hallelujah. So the change that some people may need to make is removing themselves from certain others. So we all know that during 2020, 2021, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people were practicing social distancing. Of course, I was practicing social distancing before it became popular. But anyways, they were, they, 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 they were afraid uh, 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 of getting COVID. But there's something more deadly than a virus and just as contagious. It's called doubt. And you are going to have to practice social distancing from people who are spewing out fear and doubt. When you need healing, especially when you're in a serious condition, you better choose your company carefully. Sometimes, and I have seen this, and I'm sure some of you have too, you, you, you share the word of God with someone, you know, you pray with them, and they're like, they're, they're in a good place. They're like, thank God, I know it's mine. And then after you depart, here comes another crew, and they want to measure for the coffin. What kind of flowers do you want? And, and shall we sing Amazing Grace? Or what, what, what kind of, we need an old picture for the, for the bulletin on your funeral. And the person just gives up. Be very discerning. Be some, you may have to like put some distance. Sometimes it may be hard because it's your own flesh and blood. Some people, they don't, they don't, they, they don't, they, when you, you begin to express to them that you're believing God for healing, they think you're a lunatic. They think you've lost your mind. They, 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 they'll, they'll just talk you out of it. 
They'll get angry with you. And then, of course, you know, when you die, they'll come by and put plastic flowers on your grave on their way to Disney World. <laughs> you, need to, you need to be very discerning. When Jairus' daughter died, Jesus would not allow anybody in the room, not, e not even the 12, only three of his closest disciples. Why? I'm sure there's a lot of other people that thought, oh, you can't come in my house and kick me out of my own bedroom. But he knew there was too much unbelief in that crowd. You may have to separate yourself. I think a lot of people would be in better health if they would just turn off the television. Honestly. You know, after watching, you know, the news for an hour, you're ready to just you know, end your life. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's nothing to live for anymore. It can be so depressing. It became, you, get, you get so angry. And I know that, see, here's the thing. It, 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 if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. If you do watch the news, you're misinformed. So either way, you lose. And I know that we, we, we should stay current with certain things. But, you know, when you need healing, especially you need to be sort of an, in a Holy Ghost intensive care unit, and we don't want any doubt and fear coming in this room. And, and one little verse from your box of promises is not going to cut the mustard. Jesus wept. Okay, pray, eat your breakfast, and go to work. That's not going to work. You're going to have to feast and feed intentionally on the Word of God. I don't have time to do that. We see your social media. We know you have time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to read my Bible. And I see church members. What are you doing up at 3 a.m. in the morning posting this nonsense? Everybody calm down. Then verse 24, I'm still in Mark 8. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So that's interesting. He was better. His vision was restored, but he wasn't completely healed. In other words, it's, it's, it's indistinguishable. It's blurry. It's not distinct. And so notice verse 25. Then he put his hands, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes again. And notice this. And made him look up. That's strange. This is New King James. Made him look up. And he was restored. And saw everyone, everyone clearly. So he laid hands on the man. And he says, people look like trees walking. It's indistinct. It's not clear. Jesus didn't give up. He didn't say, well, brother, you probably need glasses. I'll, here's a good optometrist I can recommend. He laid hands on him again. But that little phrase is interesting. He made him look up to heaven. I think perhaps this may be a bit of a stretch. But perhaps there's a little thought here. His eyes were on men. I see men. I see people. And it's not clear. So he laid hands on him and says, now look up. Get your eyes off of people. They're not the, your Savior. They're not your healer. They're not the Holy Spirit. God, your Father is. Get your eyes on him. I think the thing is, like, we believe in healing. And it's just one of the little 
pill on our coffee table. But we're also going to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm not against medical treatment. Please don't misunderstand me. Not at all. Not against that at all. I am against putting your full faith and trust in all the natural medical treatments because people die every day doing those things. I, I'm telling you to put your full faith and confidence in the Lord. Even when you go to the doctor, even if you have medical treatment, even if you have surgery, you definitely need to keep your eyes on the Lord. I, don't, don't, you don't want someone cutting your belly open and you haven't even prayed about it? God bless you. <laughs> Amen. Lillian B. Yeomans said this, if I pray and don't get results, I start changing. If I pray and don't get results, I start changing. Why, she said, because there will have to be a change somewhere before the answer can come. And the change won't be with God because God never changes. So, in other words, you can troubleshoot your prayers. Instead of saying, God, why won't you heal me? That's not a question. That's an accusation. You're saying you failed. You messed up. Hey, you're not, you're not doing a good job of being God. How, how, far do you, how much track do you think you're going to get with that kind of prayer? <laughs> what you need to say is, show me where I'm missing it. doesn't mean you're some terrible sinner, but what little adjustment do I need to make? He said to Israel, I'm the Lord, your healer. Literally in Hebrew, your physician. When you go to the doctor, say, does he wave a magic wand over you and say, hocus pocus, you're now well? Or does he say, I want you to do this and this and this? This is what you need. When you come to the Lord, it might be that he'll say the same thing. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that would be healed if they would forgive. They would just let it go. If you have ought against anyone, Jesus said, forgive. Ought means anything. Small little thing. Forgive. Hallelujah. 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 There, I think there would be a lot of people in the body of Christ who would be in better health if they would just walk in love. And it's easy to love all the people here in this room. They're lovely people. But the real test is when you love the unlovable. In other words, walking in love is also true on I-64. <laughs> Maybe that would be driving in love. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm going to chase everybody out of here before it's over. Hallelujah. Can we rise up, praise the Lord, and give God praise in the house today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We magnify you. And Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.